for the next few weeks. I don't know how many uh, weeks we'll cover it, but uh, we're just going to talk about many of the things are just the basics of prayer. And, uh, and so we'll be doing that for the next few weeks. I uh, want you to be praying about um, probably the first part of, part of February. Um, Terry is going to head up a, a class on, what, what is it? School? Peace University. Uh, and uh, anyway, it'll probably be on Sunday nights uh, because they need more like an hour and a half to go through the course. And uh, what is it, like 100 bucks to take the course? <clears throat> and it's six weeks or eight weeks, nine weeks. Knew it was someplace in there until I read those email recently. But just be praying about that because it's, it's a really, it's a good thing and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. And so we'll be showing uh, some promo stuff on it on sun, one of these Sundays mornings when we get it ready. And so anyway, just uh, be aware of that. I think it's something that would bless you and bless your family. So tonight we're gonna talk about, start talking about prayer. And so if you've got your Bibles, it's in your notes, but if you're like me, you'd probably prefer to just read it out of your own Bible. Um, so, Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the fifth verse. And it says, and when you pray, and so this is Jesus speaking here, and he's talking about speaking to his disciples. And so he says, and when you pray, and, and notice, he doesn't say, and if you pray. And so as believers, prayer is to be, you know, part of our, our lifestyle. It's not something that we tack on when we're in the midst of an emergency. You know, the old saying, oh, you prayed, it's come to that. You know, usually as a last resort, we determine that we have to pray, but it ought to be um, not just simply a first response, it ought to be part of our, our very life is to pray. And so he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And so the hypocrites that he's talking about here, he's talking about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, he's talking about the religious people. And so one of the things that we're going to look at tonight is concerning prayer, not so much um, what we pray as much as the attitude behind our prayer. Um, because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people, um, they were praying to be noticed. They were praying so that everybody could look upon them and say, my goodness, aren't they, they spiritual? Um, if, if that's our motivation to pray, then... Um, we're really wasting our breath. So it's not to be, uh, the motivation is not to be to be noticed by men, um, but it's to be heard from God. You know, the other thing about prayer that's really important for us to understand is um, we, we, we get all kind of when we start talking about prayer and so forth. And, uh, but really what prayer is, it's, it's simply communicating with God. It's speaking to God. Uh, it's sharing our needs, our requests with Him. Um, but it's also sitting back and listening. It, part of our prayer life, as well as speaking, ought to be listening as well to hear what, what He has to say to us. Because, you know, it tells us in John, uh, Jesus said, My sheep um, know my voice, they hear my voice, and they know my voice. And so, we know the voice of God, and oftentimes we say, well, I, I'm not sure I do. 
Oh yeah, we do. Um, but oftentimes we're not, we're not familiar with it. And so what we need to do is we need to listen and we need to become familiar with his voice. And so he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the, the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And so he's basically saying because of their attitude, um, they've already got their reward. They're not going to see an answer to prayer. Uh, all that they're going to get is the recognition from men that they spend time in prayer. And so he says, don't, don't be like these other individuals. Um, it's in your notes, but I, I think a, a tremendous amount of prayer uh, is offensive to God. And really what it does is it opens the door to the devil. And the reason that I say that is because prayer is always to be based on faith, it's to be based on our, our knowledge of God, of what he's done for us. And oftentimes in, our, our, in, in people's prayer life, in their religious prayer life, um, they're attributing things to God that God has absolutely nothing to do with. Um, there's a catastrophe that takes place and, and uh, you know, God, I don't know why you did this, but, uh, you know, we just know that you'll cause good to come out of it. Well, let me tell you something. If it's destructive and it's disaster, it was not God that brought that on your life. It was the evil one. John 10, 10 says, the thief has come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so it's the thief that's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, when the thief has come into your life and he's, he's brought death and destruction or tried to bring death and destruction, the scripture, got, uh, the scripture says that God will take that which the enemy intended for evil and he'll take it and he'll turn it about for good. And so in other words, what the enemy intended to bring death and destruction into your life, God will intervene when we turn to him and he'll turn that about and it'll seemed to be for our good. But it wasn't God putting you through that so that he could get you to that point to bring this into your life. It was the enemy trying to destroy you. Um, you know, and this is straying from our, our, our subject, but it's, it really is a matter of prayer, you know, because, you know, when Aaron was growing up, he was... Uh, he was always getting stitched up. You know, we'd joke about it. Well, he's just accident prone. You know, and my mom started confessing over, he's just, he's just accident prone. And, you know, he, he just, he had, and he had a high t pain tolerance. I remember one time he broke his collarbone and he rode his bike home and uh, was up in stairs in, in his room crying and he didn't want me to tell anybody because, you know, you just, you know, but, but stuff happened to him. And if you remember when uh, you've heard me share the story how when we lived in Missouri in a year's period of time, in intervals of six months, he had three major accidents where we had to take him to the doctor and sew him up and he had a you know, chip elbow and they had to do surgery on that and different things like that. And we always just looked at it, oh, he's just, he's just accident prone. You know, that's what everybody confessed over him. Until we realized 
We've got an enemy that hates his guts. Not only hates ours, but he hates his. He's out to destroy him. And it wasn't until we made the decision that we were going to rise up and we we're going to take authority over that spirit of accident. We weren't going to declare any longer that he was accident prone. We were going to come against that spirit of accidents that that, that enemy was trying to impose upon him to destroy his life. And we, we can look back on our own lives many times and we th see things that have happened. We say, well, that's just... That's just how I am. I'm kind of clumsy or whatever it may be. No, there's a destroyer that's out to destroy you. And so <clears throat> this has to do with prayer because part of being effective in prayer is recognizing what God has truly done for us. But in order to, to do that, we have to recognize the air that's been there. You know, I've said this concerning, concerning faith. Faith is easy. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is easy. You hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word. And eventually when you hear that word enough, you'll receive that word. You go, you'll reach out, you'll take that word and you say that word belongs to me. And it's all a result of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing that word. Faith is easy. The hard part of faith for me has been unlearning the false teachings that I'd heard in the past. Well, you just never know about God. He might put this on you to teach you something. You know, he's trying to, you know, keep you poor and humble so that he can make you a, a, a mature individual. Those are all lies of the enemy. Jesus became poor that I might become rich. And so it's a lie to say that God wants to keep you poor and humble. There's a lot of poor people that are not humble. You can't find a humble bone in their body. So if, you, if, if poverty would do it, the most humble people you would find would be poor people. But that's not the case. Rich people. Uh, you can find rich people that are, that are humble, and you can find rich people that are proud. has nothing to do with, with that. But what the enemy wants to do is come in and say, God wants to keep you poor. He wants to keep you from success. He wants to keep you from achieving in life. And if he can convince you that that's God's plan for you and God's will for you, you buy into it. And there you're stuck. And so what Jesus is doing here, before he begins to teach on prayer, he, he begins to deal with the counterfeit, what religion has said and what religion has said that is, that is false. So before we can grasp the truth, sometimes we have to see what the lie is so that we can reject that lie and take a hold of what the truth really is. And so going back to Matthew, the sixth chapter again, and we're going to read on now where he, uh, Jesus begins to teach his disciples about prayer. And of course, you know, we, we learned it as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, if you grew up in the same type of church that I grew up in, you know, every time we had a gathering, we said the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is the perfect prayer. But the Lord's Prayer was never a prayer to pray. Lord's Prayer was a prayer that was to be a pattern for us to set in our life for prayer. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with praying the Apostles' Prayer because it was actually given to the Apostles. There's nothing wrong with praying that. 
as long as you know what you're praying. But if you're like me, you probably prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer for 25 years and had no idea what I was praying. But you know, when I found out what I was praying, all of a sudden that prayer began to have meaning in my life uh, because of what it stood for, what Jesus was truly teaching his disciples, the principles that he was revealing to them. And so let's, let's start reading again in verse 5 of Matthew 6, and then we'll continue on. And it says, And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. I don't know about you, I want more of a reward than that. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I love that we have the promises. Amen. Yep. Oh, glory to God. I'm so thankful we have the promises. But, yeah, I heard you. But I don't want to settle for the promises. I want the manifestations of it. Thank God we have a promise that by the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed. Amen. But you know, when sickness is manifesting in my body, I want, I mean, when sickness is manifesting in my body, I want healing to manifest. I want to see it take place. And so Jesus says, here, if, if, if this is what you're doing to be sent by men, you've got your reward. What's the reward of prayer? The manifestation. I know this is really deep, but it's really important. You know, because just simply the prayer in and of itself isn't the reward. The reward is in seeing the manifestation of the promise. You know, one of the greatest miracles that we will ever see, the greatest miracle that I ever experienced was the morning when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I experienced the manifestation of the prayer that I'd prayed. And along with that, over the years, I've had the opportunity to sit down with individuals and pray with them as they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, so it wasn't just the prayer, but it was seeing the manifestation of what we had just prayed. And, uh, and, and over and over again, we can see that in when we've prayed for people and we've seen um, that prayer in manifestation. But then we go on in the sixth verse and it says, but you... And so this is speaking to you and I. But you, when you pray, go into your room. In other words, don't be worried about other people seeing you. It's not saying here that we can't pray in public because we'll be looking at this that Jesus actually prayed in public. So what he's saying here is that it's wrong to pray in public. But what he's saying is don't allow the motivation for your prayer to be seen by men. Because if that's your motivation to be seen by men, that's your reward. That's all that you're going to get out of it. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be uh, heard for their many words. In other words, he's saying it's not, the, it's not the length of your prayer that matters. 
It's the, it's the sincerity of the prayer. It's, it's, that, it's that prayer of faith. And so he says, even though you're praying in secret, you're going to be rewarded openly. In other words, others are going to be able to see the manifestation of it in your life. And so then he goes on in, in verse 8, and he says, Therefore, do, no, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. You know, that, that seems like such a, a contradiction. It seems like, well, what's the point then? You know, my, my father already knows what needs I have before I ever ask. And so what, what, this, what this shows us is I made this statement on Sunday when I, when I was talking about um, years back when I was praying for vision and so forth, that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart when I had this list of needs and everything. And he, he said, I'm not, I'm not moved by need. And you see, that's, this is what we need to understand about God. Well, well, God knows I need this, so he's not moved. He's not moved by need. God is moved by faith. That's why faith is so important. You know, I've, I've heard people say this, and I, I've heard preachers say this, and it's just really difficult for me to believe that a preacher could be this ignorant, but I've heard preachers say this. You know, that this, this whole faith movement and all the rest. God's, we're, we're beyond that now. Let me, let me tell you something. We will never be beyond faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible, not difficult. It's impossible to please God. So faith is important in our life. Faith will always be important in our life. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't know about you, I want to be pleasing to God. And so in order to do that, that means I need to have faith. Now that's not walking around with my head in a cloud someplace. Faith is having the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of not, things not seen. That's what faith is. And so faith is knowing that because God has promised it, it belongs to me, even though I don't see the, the manifestation of it yet. But faith asks. Faith doesn't sit back and do nothing. Faith is, faith is always, there's, there's an active element that's always uh, involved with faith. And so here he says that God knows what we need before we ever ask. So why do we need to ask? Because it's faith that moves God. It's faith that accomplishes what needs to be done. And so then he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. And so he's, he's not saying, now this is what you pray. He says, this is, this is the manner or this is the outline that you can use in your prayer life. And the thing that I've found is, is it's, it's, in a very, it's a very effective outline because it, it, it covers every element of our life. You know, years and years back, um, oh, now I, I, I had it on the tip of my tongue, now I lost, lost his name. Larry Lee, I think his name was. But he, he, he put out a teaching, and it was one of the, 
The first, one of the first Word of Faith preachers that I ever heard do a lengthy teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And what he did was he broke down every part of the Lord's Prayer and he showed how within that you pray for, uh, you pray for the salvation of others, it's, there's thanksgiving that's involved, it's praying for your family, it's praying for your physical needs, it's, it's praying for every part of your life Jesus is demonstrating in this prayer. And so what, he, what Jesus is saying, he's not saying, now this is, how I want, this is what I want you to pray. He's saying, no, this is a pattern. This is an outline for us to follow in our prayer life. And if we'll follow this outline, this pattern, um, we'll see every area covered that needs to be covered. And so he begins, and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. So it's, it starts out by just acknowledging who God is. You know, the interesting thing is, for me, most people in their prayer life, it's, it's consumed with petition. But when we begin to pray and we begin to acknowledge and recognize who God is, all of a sudden, that's what begins to consume our prayer life. It's not the need part of it. It's, it's, it's knowing who, who God is that begins to consume our life. Because, listen folks, that's what we're going to do throughout all of eternity, is we're going to learn who God is. You know, because um, a million years into eternity, and we'll just have a glimpse of our Father God, of how big He really is. And so He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be the... i got to read it because if I don't, I'll revert back to <laughs> my Lord's Prayer that I learned in Confirmation. So, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that's that's one of my favorite parts of this whole prayer. I, I mean, I probably apply that part of the prayer in my prayer life as much as anything else. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what that means? That means God wants His will done on earth the same as it is in heaven. And so I, I, I you, you think about that. What, what's, what's God's will in heaven? What, what have we heard? about heaven. Well, what I believe about heaven, there'll be no sickness in heaven. And so if I'm praying for somebody's to be healed, I can pray that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because there's no sickness in heaven. There's not going to be any lack, there's not going to be any shortage in heaven. And so I can pray it concerning financial needs, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, uh, somebody's well-being, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Relationships, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, it, it covers everything. If, if it's God's will for us to get along in heaven, then it's God's will for us to get along on earth. And so it, it just, the, the prayer just covers everything. But, but where does it begin? It begins by lifting up and praising our Heavenly Father for who He is. Not for what he's done, not for any of those attributes, but 
I guess, but four attributes just for who he is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily, de our daily bread. Supply all my needs today. You know, because if my needs met today, and God supplies it, he's gonna supply it tomorrow as well. You know, the scripture says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough for its in and of itself. And oftentimes we, we, get, we get so worried, you know, oh, what's gonna happen after the 20th of January? Who cares? Because Jesus is still gonna be Lord. He's going to be Lord on the 18th. He's going to be Lord on the 19th. He's going to be Lord on the 20th. And he's going to be Lord on the 21st. He's going to be Lord in eight years from now. And so he's going to supply all of our needs. And so what are we focusing on? Give us this day. Lord, today I thank you that you supply all of my needs. You know, obviously I haven't missed a meal today. You know, and so he supplies all of our needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, now the translation says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know what I found out? It's easy to forgive people when you know how much God's forgiven you. You know, <clears throat> people accuse me of being merciful well, I say that's just simply because I need a lot of it. <laughs> you're going you're to reap whatever you sow. I believe the scriptures. The scripture says whatsoever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. I need a lot of mercy. I need a lot of grace in my life. And so I sow it. Or I try to sow it. And hopefully I sow it. Because I need it. But, but the reason that I'm able to do that is... You know, I, I, I forget those things that lie, you know, the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things that lie behind, pressing forward. In other words, we're not supposed to dwell on our past, we're to look forward. But even in spite of that, I remember from whence I came. You understand that little King Jimmy in there. I remember where my life was, and I know how much God has forgiven me. He's restored me. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into it tonight because I don't want to cry, but the very fact that I'm standing before you tonight is a manifestation of the grace and the mercy of God. And he's showing me that grace and mercy. And so how can I then not show grace and mercy to somebody else? Because, you know, maybe they did something that was offensive to me or could have hurt me or took something from me or whatever it may be. What we need to do is dwell on how much God has forgiven our debt. Forgive us our debt as we forgive, uh, as we forgive our debtors. You know, there, there's that element involved there of, you know, I, I know that we're, we're a grace church. We believe in the grace of God. But grace never overlooks the principles of God and the principles of sowing and reaping. And so if, if, we, want to, if we want to be forgiven much, we forgive much. 
And oftentimes we are reaping what we've sown, but it isn't because, you know, we, we've offended God, but it's because we haven't, we haven't been willing to let go of things. And do not lead us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, that almost sounds like a contradiction because he's, he's speaking to the Father here. But you know, you do remember that Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that, that's one of those messages you don't dare preach too often, you know, because you can get stoned on that one. You know, but uh, it, he, was, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and the devil tempted him. But there was a purging that took place. And so I believe what he's saying here is, lead us not into temptation. In other words, Father, teach me in another way. Do you know what temptation does? Temptation is a, it, it, it exposes us. It exposes me. When the temptation comes my way, it, it, it shows where I'm really at. Whether I resist it or whether I yield to it. Shows, it, it locates me. It's just like when, when the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he he said to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And he said, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? And he told him which ones to keep. And he says, all, I've, all this I've done since my youth. And, and he says, one thing you still lack. Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And it says the rich young ruler went away sad because uh, he had much wealth and he was unwilling uh, to let go of it. And there's those that once again, when religion gets a hold of something. And so there's those that say what that teaches is that it's wrong to have wealth. And, and so really what we're supposed to do is take a vow of poverty. And that's not what, that, it, has, it has nothing to do with riches and poverty other than what's your God. And so what Jesus was doing, because in a sense, he led him into temptation because of the responses that he gave to him. And the temptation was, what's your God? Is it gonna be father? Or is it gonna be your riches? And the rich young ruler failed the test because he chose riches over God. And so really all that it did was it, it located him. And so I believe that what Jesus is saying here, what he's, he's telling us to pray, He's saying, Lord, don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. In other words, show me another way. Do you know, you know what the number one, the best way to learn is? Through the Word of God. And you see it in the Word of God, and you say, that's true, I believe it. You know, you know the best way to be, be brought to a point of repentance is not through temptation, it's through the Word of God. When the Word of God says, thou shalt not, and you say, Father, I have a problem in this area. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. 
Father, don't allow me to be led into temptation where I might have the opportunity to fall and go astray. Deliver me from those evils, Father, because I'm going to learn to follow you, and I'm going to learn to follow you through obedience, through choosing to follow you all the way. And, and eventually, you know what will happen? The, the, the temptation will come because we're in the world. But you've already got the victory. And so when the temptation comes, you just simply move on. You look the other way, and you don't yield to it. You don't give it any place. You know, <clears throat> You hear people talking about falling into sin and they, they talk about like they're walking down the street and they stripped over, tripped over a crack in the sidewalk. We don't fall into sin. We, we, we choose that direction. And what he's saying is, lead me not into temptation. Father, teach me another way. Deliver me from evil. In other words, don't allow the temptation to come my way so that it pulls me away from you. And then he goes on and he closes this prayer and he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lutheran version. Amen. You obviously haven't gone to many funerals. You know, I always tell every Lutheran that's in the, in the room because everybody else closes after the first amen, except the Lutherans give it another amen. You know, but, uh, but, but this is, so here he's teaching us, and, and he says this is how we need to pray. What he's really talking about here is our heart attitude. Our heart attitude behind our prayer um, is what God's more interested in. And, uh, but here he's showing us that this, this is the right way to pray. You know, and, and then, then when we pray, there's, a, there's other things that come into play as well. Um, praying in tongues, prophesying, having all faith giving your possessions to the poor, laying down your lies, um, will all profit us nothing if we don't have love. And so, you know, where, where prayer comes in, I believe the number one ingredient in effective prayer is love. You know, what, why are we praying for somebody? Why, why are we praying for there to be change in somebody's life? Is it, is it because we're just so fed up with them? Or is it because we love them and we want their life uh, to be productive, their life to be, to be better? In, in 1 Corinthians, the 11th or 13th chapter, um, it's the chapter of love, it's difficult to start reading this chapter without reading the whole chapter. But we won't do that tonight. But, but listen to what he says here. Because I believe this is very important uh, in, in the life of a Christian. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I, though I have the gifts of prophecy 
and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so the reason that I believe that this comes into play where, where prayer is concerned, it once again is talking about our attitude, our, our, our motivation. You know, wh why do we pray? You know, the old uh, prayer line, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy, you know, or my four and no more. You know, that, that's not exactly the attitude of love that's been de being demonstrated in that. But why, why do we pray? Is it, is it just simply because I want more for me? Or is it because I want the lives of others to be touched? Why, why do I pray for my own life? Because we are too. Why, why do I want to improve? Why do I want to have more? Is it just so, simply so that my life can be better? Or is it so that I can have a more positive influence on the lives of others? Why do I want to prosper? I, I want to prosper. Why do I want to prosper? Is it just so that I can, you know, buy more things from me? Or is, is it so that I can be effective in sharing the gospel throughout all the world. And you know what, it isn't, it isn't always about money is going to the mission field, although, you know, I talked about that on Sunday and that's very, very important. But, you know, <clears throat> I use this as an example because, well, because it impressed me. But when <clears throat> Diane McEldowney was still alive, um, you know, Pastor Becky had just a wonderful relationship with her, you know, for years, you know, because she wasn't able to get ready on a Sunday morning. It took her too long because she didn't have help so that she could um, get to church on Sunday morning. Uh, she would go over to Diane's house and help her bathe and, and get cleaned up and get ready for church. And she did that for years. And so there was this there's this relationship that she had. And, you know, and I oftentimes uh, joke about with an element of sincerity, but I, I joke about Pastor Becky's shopping. You know, one of my favorite lines is, if you look up in the dictionary shopper, her picture is gonna be right next to it. But uh, we, would go, we would go shopping in Des Moines, and, and this, is, this is just how her mind would work. And, and we'd, be, we'd be shopping along, probably looking for something for her, whatever it might be, or one of the kids. And, and she'd see this outfit on this rack, and she, she would say, you know, because Diane could never go shopping or anything, but she was stuck in that wheelchair in her apartment and stuff. And she'd, look at, she'd see this, this outfit, and she'd say, that would look great on Diane. And I knew what that meant. I had just bought Diane an outfit. But see, that was just how her mind operated. It wasn't about what can I get for myself, but what can I, what can I give or what can I get for somebody else? And that's, that's how love operates. You know, not that we deprive our, ourselves and or we, you know, 
um, you know, like it says here, you can, you know, burn, allow yourself to be burnt at the stakes. But if it's not love, it profits nothing. You know, I don't know about you. I just, I just don't want to be a bunch of noise. You know, in my prayer life, I don't want to be just a clanging symbol. You know, symbols are nice when they're used properly, but when you put a two-year-old on a symbol, it's a pain in the eardrums, you know, and uh, it's just a bunch of noise. And if, if, if our prayer isn't, isn't got a root of love in it, and if our, love, if our life in general isn't rooted in love, our, our, just, our, our life is just a bunch of, just, just a bunch of noise. God has already done everything. You know, and this is why faith comes in. Remember, he already knows what we, what we need. God has already done everything he's ever going to do. I think that's a hard concept for us to get a hold of. You know, because if, if, if God's done everything, then why isn't it done? You know, and oftentimes you... You hear people on the news or whatever, well, why, why did God allow this? Why doesn't God do something? Well, God's already done it. Uh, as, as, as born again believers, it's our responsibility. And this is where prayer comes involved, comes into play. It's, it's our responsibility by faith to reach out and to, to take hold of those things and bring them into the now that, that Jesus, what he's already done for us. He's already been born. He's already suffered on the cross. He's already been crucified and buried and resurrected. He's done it all. And he's done it for our benefit. But it, it's our faith that reaches out and takes a hold of it. In Acts, the 16th chapter, Acts, the 16th chapter in the, the 30th verse, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. He's already done it all. But notice, just because it was done, um, they, they still had to believe. They still had to receive what Jesus has done for us. Our prayer life, you know, I, I believe in intercession. We'll get into some of the, 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 the specific kinds of prayer as we go along here because, you know, Brother Hagin used to always say it this way. You know, what we've done with prayer many times, it would be like if uh, you were uh, going to play a sport and you took a hockey puck, and you took a baseball glove, and you took some basketball, uh, basketball hoop and, you know, a few other items and threw them in a bag and shook it all up and poured it out and said, there's football. No, you just got a mess. And oftentimes that's what we've, we've done with, with prayer, is we've just kind of shook it all together and said, well, there's prayer, but, but there's, there's different kinds of prayer. And because we don't understand the different kinds of prayer, 
oftentimes we get it we get it confused and because we get it confused we pray the wrong things you know there's the the prayer of petition um, there, there's the prayer of thanksgiving there's the prayer of intercession where we're praying for others there's a prayer of uh, of dedication you know for example at when, when Jesus was in the garden and uh, he was praying and he said father if there be any other way remove this cross from me in other words if there's any way to do this other than for me to go to the cross and die and suffer on the cross Lord let's do it that way he says but not my will your will be done and so for eons what we've done now as at the end of every prayer we pray, Father, but not my will, your will be done. But when Jesus prayed that prayer, he prayed it one time, and it was a very specific prayer that he was praying. He was praying the prayer of consecration. And in the prayer of consecration, he was saying, Father, this is what I know is ahead of me, but if there be any other way, I would choose to do it another way, but not my will, your will be done. The prayer of consecration is, Lord, here I am. I'm yours today. Use me in any way that you would choose to use me. I have this and this to do today, and I intend to do this. But Father, if you've got another plan for me today, not my will, your will be done. That's the prayer of consecration. Actually, the prayer of consecration is a prayer that we ought not to pray just one time in our lifetime. It ought to be a daily prayer that we pray. Today, Father, this is your day. It's a day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. And I'm going to uh, do whatever is at hand to do. But Father, your will be done, not my will be done today. And so you lead me, you direct me, you guide me. Your will be done. And so that's... That's the prayer of consecration. And so here, did I ever read this uh, in Acts 16.30? Did I read? I'm going to have to read it again because I forgot what I read. So the, <clears throat> so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, that's not right. There we go. Um, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe and the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Notice what it's, what's important, believe, or faith. Believe in what Jesus has done for you. In your notes there, it talks about Romans, the 10th chapter, and um, the 9th verse and the 13th verse, and this whole portion is talking about uh, the preaching of the gospel and so forth. But in verse 9 of Romans 10, it says, well, let's just back up, get a running start into it. Let's start in the 8th verse. <clears throat> but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what's this word of faith which he preaches? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so it's, it's believing, it's, it's faith, it's 
being confident in these things. And then we drop down to the 13th verse. And it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice the ingredient there. Whoever calls. The condition. Whoever calls. So it, it doesn't just uh, simply happen. We call upon him. In Colossians 2.6, the word of God proclaims, As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Or we could say it this way. In the same way that you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's how you're going to walk in him. And how is that? It's by faith. By hearing the word, receiving the word, declaring the word. In the same way we approach, we appropriate and walk in forgiveness of sin, we receive healing, we receive deliverance, we receive prosperity, we receive everything else. All of those things we receive by hearing, by declaring that it belongs to me because it's the completed works of Jesus. Christ already made full provision for the abundant life through his atonement. And so what we're, when, when we're praying, we're praying for the manifestation of that which has already been accomplished. So when we're praying for somebody to be healed, we're praying for the manifestation of that which has already been provided. Notice this. It's in your notes in, in Matthew 6, 8. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says to them, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Heal the sick. Notice what he says. He says, heal the sick. There's a difference between healing the sick and praying for the sick. He didn't say just simply, pray for the sick. He said, heal the sick. Now, I don't have the potential of healing anybody in and of myself. But Jesus has already given us the command. He says, healing has already been provided. Why do we, why do we lay hands on people? Because it's a, it's a release of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring healing into the lives. Why do we anoint people with oil? Because Jesus said, in that obedience, I release my healing power to flow. And so we operate in that obedience to him because Jesus has already accomplished it. The gospel. The gospel simply means the good news. The good news is what he's already done. Notice it's not the good prophecy. You know, there's a lot of people they want to live off of of prophecy. Thank God for prophecy. It was a prophecy that affirms and confirms that what Jesus did was true because it goes all the way back. It was prophesied thousands of years before it was manifest. You know, and there's, there's those that today that still want to live off of that. But see, why do we want something to foretell what's already been done. Because in the Old Covenant, all that they could do was look forward 
to what Jesus was going to do. That's why it was prophecy. It was foretelling what was to take place. We don't, we don't have to look forward. We look forward to his return, which has already been prophesied. And so we have the assurance of that. But, but in our life, we look back to the completed works of Jesus. Nobody has to prophesy over you, thus saith the Lord, tis his will for thou to be healed in thy miserable body. No, you don't, you don't need that because he's already provided it for us. Healing has already been taken care of. And so we look back to the completed works of Jesus and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that by the stripes of Jesus, we have already been healed. I am the redeemed of the Lord. And as the redeemed of the Lord, I am entitled to all of the provision that has been provided through the completed works of Jesus. It belongs to me right now. Not just in the, I may not see the manifestation of it, but it no less, it belongs to me right now. And so what do I do? My, in my prayer life, I begin to thank and declare what Jesus has already worked, what he's already accomplished for me. God has already forgiven. He's already healed. He's already prospered us. He's already delivered us. Now, what we need to do is we need to begin to believe it. I believe one of the greatest needs in our prayer life today is, is declaring what Jesus has already done for us because that is a, that is a form of prayer to be declaring, to be saying what, what Jesus has done for us. I remember when our kids were in school, uh, every morning, Pastor Becky spoke over them. You know, and she just spoke words, but it was, it was a prayer. And, and it was, they'd have favor with their teachers, they'd have favor with those that had authority over them. You know, just, you know, she had a whole list of things that that, that she would speak over them, and, and they knew that it was coming, but you know they might, mm, here we go again, but they liked it because it was the truth and there was the reality of the Word of God. We need that in our own lives as well. We need to speak out what God's Word says about each and every one of us. So anyway, for the next few weeks, we'll continue talking about prayer. So be blessed. Have a great day. Rest of the week and stay warm.